Welcome to episode 54 of the Chewy On Your Boot podcast and it's just Riley and I today, um, as we like to say, we're going back to our roots and a bit of a, just a finals predictions, we're going to tip our Premier Brownlow um, last little podcast before we go on a bit of a break as we head into our VC exams. So I've got Riley here. Riley, welcome mate, it's good to see you, um, hope you're enjoying getting in out and about a bit more yeah, it's good mate thanks for having me. well not thanks for having me the <laughs> co-host but thanks for letting me join the show um yeah it's good talk a bit of footy that's no, always a pleasure always happy to let you on <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we've got it's, it's it's an exciting time of the year it's a bit later than usual but we're into the finals and it kicks off on thursday with port and the cats yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's usually the most exciting time of year. I've seen a few posts in the recent days of on this day, 5, 10, 15 years ago when premierships were won, but we haven't started the finals yet. But, yeah, obviously Thursday night at the hostile Adelaide Oval, the Cats will take on the power, top of the table. Power will probably go in as slight favourites for mine purely because of that position. However, in saying that Geelong did give them quite the touch-up what was it? Probably a bit over a month ago. Yeah, definitely. Should be a good game. Um, I think the time's never really been better for Port, given that they win this one, then they get another home prelim. Um, so you'd think that if they get that home prelim, um, having already won finals win under their belt, they should almost be a lock for a grand final place. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Geelong in pretty good form as well, so, um, yeah, not discounting that. Well, we've heard so often this year how big a year it is for the power. Obviously, the 150th year, I think Kosh came out at the start of the year and said if Hinkley doesn't, I'm not sure if it was win a final or win the premiership, but he was gone. So, you think motivation levels be fairly high for the Port Adelaide players, and I personally do think they'll win and get themselves into that home prelim, as you said. In saying that, it's not the be-all be all and end-all this year for Port. Um, a bit like Brisbane, they've got a young list and uh, the future's looking pretty bright with Dersma, Butters, Rosie. Yeah, definitely. Well, Butters was in the Australian team that we saw last week, which caused a few headlines. Well, not headlines. There wasn't much. There was a bit uncertain how he was in the team, but he had a fantastic season, so... Yeah, obviously Rosie as well and Desmond. They've got some great young players. Even Farrell and um, Mitch Georgiades have been... I think that's really that vibrance they've brought to the team has probably been the catalyst for their rise up the ladder this year. Yeah, it, it was interesting with Butters. I think most people expected Rosie and Dersma sort of to take that next step this year, but he was actually the one that had the best year out of all of them. Oh, by far. And they did the... Um, Best second year voting the coaches do, I think, which Sam Walsh won and Bailey Smith came third. Rosie was second. But I can't believe Butters wasn't higher on that because he had the best year personally, I think. Certainly out of the power players and I think consistency wise probably better than Walsh. Yeah, no, that's so, that's a very that's very true. Very good good call, I reckon. Fair call. Um moving on, the next game, the Lions and the Tigers at the Gabba. Tigers' slight favourites, but it's going to be another interesting encounter. 
Well, obviously, a replay of the qualifying final last year where, as we all know, Brisbane were well on top of your Tigers early but just couldn't convert their chances much like they did in round 10 or round 10, I believe it was, this year. So if they can get rid of those yips in front of goal, I think they're every chance because we know they're a damaging team and they create so many scoring opportunities. They just have to make the most of them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and no lint as well should make it interesting. And you'd think that um, they would have learned a lot from their last two games against the Tigers. Well, they should have. And I honestly, they should have just been doing goal-kicking practice for the last seven weeks because they've got the game style. They have quick bowl movement. They've got the players. They've also got the best player in the league in Lockie Neal. And Eric Hipwood, if he, like, he gets so many shots on goal, but he just can't kick straight. So... I think they're every chance, but Richmond are obviously such a well-drilled team as we know when September or October, if it's going to be, oh, no, does it start? Oh, no, it does start in October, the 1st of October on Thursday. So, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat in these circumstances, but Brisbane will give themselves every chance, I'm sure. Yeah, and we talk about the home ground advantage for them. It's probably not as prominent for them as it is for Port, given that a lot of teams in the finals have played a lot of games at the Gabba. Um, do you see that sort of, I suppose, reducing the Lions' advantage at the Gabba? Not necessarily. I think probably... I think it's, it's more psychological than anything. Like As you said, teams have got used to playing at the Gabba by now. But I think going into this... Final series, Brisbane will know it's their best chance probably ever to win a, a um, final series on their home deck. So you'd think you'd expect ever, hopefully, no, nothing like this ever occurs again. So I think psychologically it'll benefit them more than more than having advantage over the in terms of the ground, in terms of dimensions or conditions and that kind of thing. Because everyone's used to it by now. They've been up there for 12 or so weeks. Yeah. And then you've got the Saints and the Bulldogs on, that's the Saturday Twilight twilight game. <clears throat> it's a very exciting game, this one. You've got two, well, the Saints are in it for the first time since 2011, and then you've got the Dogs who can basically do anything at their best. So, it's yeah, very mouth-watering contest. Oh, I can't wait for this game. It's the most exciting game of the weekend in my eyes. Obviously, two Fairly young sides and exciting teams. Obviously, the Saints haven't played finals for so long. And the Dogs, we know what they can produce having come from seventh, which is the spot they finished this year only four years ago. So I think this will be the best game of the weekend in terms of exciting young brands of football. And whoever wins, I do think, can go on to perhaps make a prelim and even make a granny. Obviously, they're going to give themselves every chance, especially the Bulldogs. I think they're good enough to beat those top four sides, Saints perhaps not. But if the Bulldogs can get past this one, and I think they will, I think they can do some serious damage. And people still love to talk about their run in 2016 and compare this year, as it was happened last year as well, but they love to compare this Bulldogs team to that. So it should be very interesting. I reckon for the Saints, Jack Steele, I reckon he's built for finals. He's had a very good year, rewarded with All-Australian. Yeah, well, on like he was a tagger for his whole career up until this year and he's taken as 
big a leap forward as anyone I can recall. So it's been fantastic to witness. And yeah, I agree. I think he'll step it up even further in this next month, hopefully for his sake. And even touted as future captain, I think Jaron Geary's signed on, but whether he's captain or next year remains to be seen. Um, and then I think the Saints will also benefit from having guys like Hannah Bree and Paddy Ryder out there who've got finals experience, Hannah Bree especially. Well, you forget someone like Hannah Bree's actually won a premiership. Yeah. With the Swans in 2012. So that, that will be massive, even just in terms of letting, giving an insight into some of the young boys, how to go about week, finals weeks. And <clears throat> yeah, I think he'll be massive both on and off the field. I think we've already seen it as well. Against the Giants, he came in. They had to win that game. And it just looked like he didn't have the most game time. I think they limit, limited game time. But he just seemed to have an impact in helping them just do what they had to do to win that game. And then after the game as well, keeping the professionalism. But he looked as happy as anyone in the rooms. Well, I think it'd be a fantastic club to be at. Obviously, a new coach has brought a lot of excitement to the team and those young players we mentioned, Steele, Hunter Clark's another exciting one. There's so much upside to the Saints that I think even this year perhaps is too early for them, but there's so much upside for the future. And I think this, whatever happens on Saturday afternoon is going to benefit them because either they'll have that experience of winning a final and going deeper into the finals or they've had that first taste of finals and they'll be much better for future years. Yeah, they'll definitely take a lot out of the experience. And also, <clears throat> Roughhead being brought into the coaching staff this year will be massive, obviously, a four-time Premiership player. So, once again, along with someone like Hannah Rhee, will be able to give those younger player, players an insight into finals and how to go about their preparation. And the Saints fans are very up and about at the moment, very excited. They do tend to be disappointed easily, though, I, I uh, get the... I get the sense. So it will be interesting to see how they react should they should they lose, but they should be pretty proud of their team nonetheless. Whatever well, if happens. they win, it's always they're the greatest side in the competition. <laughs> but if they lose, it's just harping on about how disappointing they are. So yeah, it's crisis. Look, someone, Henry Bench, we know he's a massive fan of the show. It's going to be the biggest day of his life on Saturday. So all the best, mate. Don't, don't do anything too silly, whichever way it goes. <laughs> yep. All the best to him. And then the final game, Collingwood taking on the Eagles at Optus Stadium. Once again, the home ground advantage for the Eagles, you would expect, would play a major part in this game. Obviously, in earlier in the season, can't remember what round it was, but the Eagles gave Collingwood a fair touch-up. So I'm expecting a similar result, to be honest. Kane Corn said earlier in the week that Collingwood were making up the numbers. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think West Coast will win quite comfortably. Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the better modern rivalries. Obviously, the grand final in 2018, and then I don't know if they played a final against each other last year, but they definitely played some good games. And then they're playing each other again at Optus. Um, it's, it's great to see, but yeah, I'm with you. I think West Coast probably going to be too good at home as well. Well, it started in that 2018 qualifying final. I mean, Collingwood were in the box seat for much of the for much of that game, and if they had a one, that probably the whole 2018 final series is much different. And West Coast might never have made that grand final. So yeah, it's obviously 
it's been going for a little while now, and I think it'll be a fantastic game of Saturday night football, despite it being fifth versus eighth. Collingwood shouldn't need much motivation either. I think West Coast have probably had the wood over them, so we'll be interested to well, see what happens. They've missed out on their opportunity two years in a row now. Should have won a grand final and probably should have made a grand final last year. So, yeah, obviously Buckley still having never won that premiership is, I think, more than anything else, a driving factor for the players just to give him some recognition for all his incredible work throughout both his playing and coaching career. So I think they'll be motivated, but I just don't think they're quite good enough to be yeah. a strong Eagles side. But if, if they do beat the Eagles, the confidence is up, and then they if they go on to win another final, I think anything could happen with them. They've got some class players around around the side. Well, do they go on to play the loser of the Brisbane game or the loser of the Port game? Uh, I think it might be the Port game. So, yeah, look, I could, they, they played, obviously, Port Adelaide only last week and got relatively close. They were competitive. And I think, did they beat Geelong early in the year? Uh, I think, I think they, they I think might they have. They did, didn't they? Yeah. So, yeah, I could see them definitely. If they can manage to get past the Eagles, I could definitely see them winning a semi-final. So, yeah, this I tend to think, this game will probably be their toughest if they did happen to make it further into the finals. So it'll be a massive test of their character and they've obviously gone through a fair bit of adversity both on and off the field this year. So another interesting game to round out week one of the finals. Yeah, it it is going to be a fascinating final series um, with everything that's gone on this year. And now the teams that are in it, I, I don't think anyone outside the top four can go all the way but it, not even the Bulldogs nah if they beat the Saints I, I might have a different opinion on that but <laughs> that's the only chance they're going to get to even possibly do it yeah we'll see mate <laughs> yeah great to have finals back on our screens though nonetheless yeah well it's, at one stage it wasn't certain that we'd get a get a season back underway so um, not at all Thanks to the Queensland government. Credit to them. Yep. Good on. Um, so who is your premiership tip? Um, unfortunately, it's Richmond. As much as I hate, well, not hate, but I would like just a bit of variety in terms of the premier would be nice. I would love to see a Brisbane or the Bulldogs get up, but I do tend to think Richmond, given all the factors that, contribute to a premiership, their experience. I just think they're the best side and I think they'll obviously get up over Brisbane this weekend and put themselves into a fourth consecutive prelim final and probably go on from there to win the whole thing. So it would be very nice to see a different team from the Tigers, but I still think they're the best team in the the competition. And and their off-field stuff hasn't affected them yet. Um, It, yeah... be interesting to see if it does it all or if we go out in straight sets or don't make the grand final if it comes up as a potential excuse or not an excuse but a reason. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, we haven't really spoken about Stack and Coleman Jones. We haven't really had the chance, but I don't think you're the type of club to let that kind of thing affect you. Um, I think obviously you've got... A lot of experience in not only finals but football 
by now for Hardwick's in his 11th season as coach. Cotchin's been around for a while. Martin's two-time premiership and Norm Smith player. So I think you've got too much firepower and experience not to let something like that affect you and to not at least get a prelim, to be honest. Yeah, it was a weird sort of time. You had Hardwick saying some things that he probably shouldn't have, but I think after Coleman, Jones and Stack, they just sort of, within the four walls, just shut shut down, focused on footy, and um, they're still producing. So um, it's exciting to for us to have another crack at a third premiership in four years. Um, and, and I think Jared Waitley said today, um, Geelong did it, Hawthorne did it. Uh, who was the other one? Can't quite um, remember. Brisbane. And, the, yeah, the time, time's never been. This is Richmond's chance, so... Um, yeah, yeah. Well, this is as he dubbed it, the legacy premiership. Yeah, you're going to get remembered for two premierships, but three in a period such as four years is going to mark you down as one of the greatest teams of that era. So, yeah, I definitely think. I think honestly, this would be probably the most elusive premiership for them. Obviously, 2017 was massive, having come from so far back the previous year. But this one as as Jared Whaley said, is the legacy premiership. And if they can manage to get up in a year such as this, where hopefully nothing will ever happen again, it's, yeah, it's going to be remembered for a long time. Yeah, and, and because of that, the hunger should still be there. But, yeah, I, I am with you. I think we're probably the favourite, but get to the prelim finals. And if, if they're still there, um, definitely a great shot. And we'll move on to a bit of a Brownlow prediction. Um, for me, I've Lockie Neal. He's, um, I think he's a lot of people's favourite to win it. He's had another great year. I think he's improved on last year, and he's still had a great year last year. So um, it's a credit to him. Yeah, I can't see him not winning it. Um, other candidates would obviously be Boak, and uh, Boak's is a chance. He's a he's a he's probably the most genuine chance, and then obviously Petrarca, Natanui, and Steer will flow around that probably top five six. So yeah, but I can't see Lockie losing, especially his first half of the year. He's going to come out of the blocks very strong, but I think Boak will probably come home a bit stronger than him. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully it's close, but I tend to agree that Neil will take home his first Brownlow. And Trav Boak just seems to be getting better with age. Definitely. Well, there was talks, I can't remember how long ago, that he was going to go back to Geelong, but stuck with the power. He's been there since 2007. He was on the list when they lost that premiership to Geelong, didn't play. but So he's been there for a while, and it's fantastic to see him reaping the rewards, and hopefully for his sake with a premiership and potentially around this year would be a fantastic reward for an outstanding career. No, it would be, would be a very, very good season and a um, good, probably finish to the back of it, back end of his career. Yeah, we'd say he's probably got a few years to yeah. go yet, given his form. Yeah. All Australian team, Ben, we'll move on to now. Obviously was released or announced last Thursday night. What are your thoughts on some of the picks and some of the snubs? Um, yeah, wasn't, definitely wasn't the team that I would have picked or thought it would be. Um, it was probably... The centre line that got me, um, I think Jack McRae and 
definitely didn't think Cam Guthrie would be there. I saw him in the um, the initial bit that they do where they um, name all the candidates and I was like, gee, surely not. I think I even said to you, surely not Cam Guthrie and next minute his name was read out. So that was a bit of a shock. Um, and on a wing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, the half forward line, I didn't have a problem with Dangerfield because I think he did play some good footy in the forward line this year. Um, I didn't like seeing Martin in the pocket. Um, I think that was just they thought they had to have Martin in the team, so they just chucked him in a, in a pocket, which wasn't right. I think Dan, Dan Butler was much more, more deserving of that position. Oh, absolutely it was. And Bonton Pally didn't play, play on a half-forward flank at all this year, so... There was some outrageous selection just in terms of position. They're obviously good enough players to be in the team, but they're midfielders predominantly. So my argument would be if they're not good enough to be the starting midfielders or get on the bench, they can't be in the team. And you have to reward people like Sam Menegola on a wing or Dan Butler and Tom Papley, as you said. As you said. Yeah, and even, even Max Gorn on, on the bench, the selectors have tended to favour that two Ruckman in the team, but I don't, I mean, he had a, a good year, first year as captain, but they probably even could have given that spot to someone else. Yeah. It, yeah. They probably could have rewarded another small forward or even a defender. I obviously, all the defenders were deserving, but I think there were some very unlucky ones in Vlaston and Grimes, Darcy Ben Jones, although he had a fantastic year, and shot to prominence, I still don't quite think was good enough. And Weedering was also pretty stiff. Yeah, no, Weedering, Weedering um, he was in the squad, wasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he had a fantastic year. Um, and there were a lot of strong candidates in that back line, so it kind of been easy to pick. It's probably, I suppose, the strongest group almost out of, you've obviously got the midfield, but almost the strongest group in the whole squad of 40. Well, before even the squad was announced, I would have thought Stephen May would be the starting fullback, and he wasn't even in the squad. Yeah. So there was some some calls that were questionable, but there were obviously some fantastic key defenders this year, and Moore and Harris Andrews were rightly justified. But yeah, there were certainly some unlucky players. Yeah, and and Moore's been around the mark for a couple of years. Um, had a strong year last year, and he's. First year, sort of injury-free, and he's really built on that. So it's um, good on him. And, yeah. Well, that just about wraps us up for this episode. Um, We're going to go on a bit of a break for our uh, VCE exams. So hopefully we can come back after that with some exciting guests. And, um, no, it'd be good to see what the future holds for the podcast going into next year. Absolutely. It's been a good year to this date. We've had some fantastic guests and we're very appreciative of their time and thanks for listening once again, as always. Thank you. Always good to chat, Robert. Always a pleasure.